We are not worthy for you to come under our roofs, O Lord, but only say the word and we shall be healed. Amen. Perhaps the greatest of all early 20th century North American artists, Frank Lloyd Wright, once commented, It is a shame to see people scramble through life, cutting themselves off from the divinity within. This might be said of the Israelites struggling to see beyond the prophets of Baal. This might be said of the Galatians struggling to get away from Paul. This might be said of the disciples and other witnesses struggling to see beyond what might be expected and desired of the Messiah. The prophet Elijah resembles the centurion in this morning's gospel as each stands forth with remarkable poise, self-confidence, and faith. Both holy men take control of the situation and make the witnesses marvel at their authority. And yet, regardless of perspective and the intervening time, our lessons from Holy Scripture portray Elijah and Jesus trying to get others to put into action those things that they knew to be right, to be good, to be just. Each asked men and women to grab hold of life by doing all those good things that deep in their hearts and souls they knew they should be doing. In this season of Pentecost, we remember that Jesus reached out time and time again to force evil out of the lives of men and women. This often took the form of healing people of their many and varied sins and diseases. But the point we must make here is that Jesus believed that the confrontation of evil, in whatever form it took, was not just his work, but ours as well. Thus he expected those who followed him not only to be able to do the miracles that he did, but in the future they would be able to do even greater things in his name. In his teachings, our Lord taught his followers to recognize, to accept, to use the good within themselves. Therefore, as modern followers, we are called to understand the truth that Jesus was teaching when he said that the kingdom of heaven is here within you, within me, within one another. This morning I want to share a story that I shared for the very first time about 23 years ago when I led a retreat. And then I shared it about three years ago with our vestry when they were in the process of building community. I share this story as a challenge to each of us to find ourselves stepping toward the legacy of Jesus Christ, the Holy One. The story concerns a monastery that had fallen on hard times. A once great order, as a result of anti-monastic persecution in the centuries before and the rise of secularism, all the branch houses had been lost, and it itself had become decimated 
to the extent that there were only five monks left in the decaying mother house, an abbot and four others. In the deep woods surrounding the monastery, there was a little hut where the rabbi from the nearby town came occasionally and used as a hermitage. And through their many years of prayer and contemplation, these aged monks had become a bit psychic. So they could always sense when the rabbi was in the hermitage, and they would say to one another, the rabbi is in the woods, the rabbi is in the woods. And they'd whisper it to one another. And as he agonized over the imminent death of his order, it occurred to the abbot on one such occasion to go and visit the rabbi in his hermitage to ask if there was any advice that could be offered. And the rabbi welcomed the abbot. But when the abbot explained the purpose of his visit, the rabbi could only commiserate, I know how it is. The spirit has gone out of the people. It's the same in my town. Almost no one comes to synagogue. And so the old abbot and the old rabbi wept together. And then they read parts of the Torah and they quietly spoke of deep things. But when the time came for the abbot to leave and they embraced, the abbot turned suddenly as if inspired to the rabbi and said, I guess I failed in my purpose, but before I go, is there nothing you can say to me that might help my order? And the rabbi at first said, no, I'm sorry. I have no advice to help you or me. And then inspired, he said, and yet the one thing I can tell you with certainty is that the Messiah is one of you. Now when the abbot returned to the monastery, his fellow monks gathered around and said, okay, what did he say? And the abbot at first said, well, he couldn't really help. We wept, we read the Torah, we spoke of deep things. And yet, just as I was leaving, he said something. He said, the Messiah is one of us. But I don't know exactly what he meant. And in the days and the weeks and the months that followed, the old monks pondered this and wondered whether there could be any possible significance to the rabbi's words. The Messiah is one of us. Could he possibly have meant one of us here in a monastery, sheltered from the world? Do you suppose he meant the abbot? Yes, if he meant anyone, he probably meant Father Abbot. He has been our leader for more than a generation. And on the other hand, he might have meant Brother Thomas. Certainly Brother Thomas is a holy man, Everyone knows that Thomas is a man of light. Certainly, he could not have meant Brother Elred. Elred gets crotchety at times. But come to think of it, even though he's a thorn in our sides, when you look at it, Elred is virtually always right. Often, very right. Maybe the rabbi did mean Brother Elred, but surely not Philip. Brother Philip is passive a real nobody. But then almost mysteriously, he has a gift of somehow always being there when you need him. He just magically appears by your side. 
Maybe Philip is the Messiah. Of course, the rabbi didn't mean me. He couldn't possibly have meant me. I'm just an ordinary person, and yet supposing I am the Messiah and I don't yet know it. Oh God, not me. And as they contemplated in this manner, the old monks began to treat each other with extraordinary respect on the off chance that one among them might be the Messiah, and on an off-off chance that each monk himself might be the Messiah, yet unknown even to themselves, they began to treat themselves with ordinary and extraordinary with respect. And because the forest in which it was situated was beautiful, it so happened that people still occasionally came to visit to picnic on the tawny lawn, to wander along its paths, even now and then to go into the dilapidated chapel to meditate. And as they did so, without even being conscious of it, they sensed this aura of extraordinary respect that now began to permeate the atmosphere of the place, that seemed to radiate out from them. And there was something strangely attractive, even compelling, Hardly knowing why, people began to come back to the monastery more frequently to picnic, to play, to pray. They began to bring their friends, and their friends began to bring their friends. And it was a special place. And then it happened that some of the younger generation who came to visit the monastery asked if they could join the monks. And after a while, one asked if he could bring a friend and then another, and another. So within a few years, the monastery had once again become a thriving order, and thanks to the rabbi's wisdom, the rabbi's gift, the monastery had become a vibrant center of light and spirituality throughout the realm. Now, it's a story. A colonel from a rabbi And yet perhaps, just perhaps, the Messiah is one of you. The divine teacher became a reality over 2,000 years ago and remains ever-present for those who search deep within themselves and within others. In requesting fidelity to the church and to one another, Jesus charges humanity with maintaining the reality that God ever dwells among us. So perhaps, just perhaps, extraordinary respect is called for. For the Messiah is one of you.